Hello and welcome to Living Veda. I'm Rachel and I want you to live long and live well. Together, let's explore the ancient art of Ayurveda and yoga so that you can build a life well-lived. I'm here to teach you these truths in a modern and livable way, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello, good people, and welcome back. This is Periods Part 2. So last week, if you haven't listened to the episode before, we tried to get really clear on what a period is and why it happens. We also talked about how incredible women's bodies are and the antibacterial cleansing and protective nature of the period. We started to look at a period through the lens of doshic imbalance and start thinking about the signs and the signals that our bodies have been giving us that we might have been missing. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, uh, it's the episode right before this one and check it out. But this week, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into three major common period problems. So the three problems are painful periods, PMS, and also heavy bleeding or heavy periods. We'll take a look at how Western medicine sees these issues and how Ayurveda sees these issues as well. And if you'll stay tuned to the very end of the episode, I have a special nourishing recipe treat for you uh, all the way at the end as well. Okay, so let's start with the first very common period problem. Uh, that is dysmenorrhea, which is just the, the big fancy word for I have a very painful period. That's the name that Western medicine gives it. It is one of the most common period problems and it gets divided into two major categories, primary and secondary. Basically, primary dysmenorrhea is when you have a period that is painful but you do not have another diagnosis. In contrast, the secondary version is a painful period in addition to some other pelvic pathology like endometriosis, chronic pelvic inflammatory disease, and others as well. Now get this, my friends, painful periods affect 60 to 93% of females who have a period. That is a lot of women in pain. That's not okay. So physically, here's what is most likely happening. Evidence suggests that people who have dysmenorrhea have frequent and prolonged uterine contractions that decrease blood flow. And so it basically causes like a uterine angina. And angina is when your chest hurts, but when your uterus hurts, it's, it's awful, y'all. So that's what it is. And um, I'd like to make sure here that you do not get the impression that this is in any way an Eastern versus Western medicine talk. It is not that at all. Both views can be really incredibly helpful and necessary and useful. I made it a point to study. Um, Ayurveda under a Western medical doctor because I really believe that this is true. So what I love so much about Ayurveda is that it puts a human being in the context of their ecosystem, which is Mother Nature, and helps them to understand the principles and laws that govern life. And when we zoom out, we start to see ourselves as part of something bigger, and sometimes that makes a problem more solvable. And of course, the opposite can be true as well. Western medicine does an amazing job of zooming in. And when there is an established problem or pathology, Western medicine does a really good job to help with management. So all of that to say, everything that's helpful is good news in my book. And I'm just here to share with you a perhaps 
less familiar lens. Okay, so let's look at dysmenorrhea or painful periods from the Ayurvedic perspective. From the Ayurvedic perspective, pain is always a vata problem. So menstrual cramps are always a vata problem. Vata dosha is responsible for the coordinated movement in the body. There should be a proper and painless downward flow during menstruation. And if that is not happening, then we know we have a vata problem. So whenever someone is experiencing a painful period, as an Ayurvedic yoga therapist, I know that we need to look at and balance vata. And one way to calm down vata is to make sure a person is getting enough rest, especially during the bleeding days or during the period. Uh, overdoing will absolutely make symptoms worse. I also look into sleep in general. So if there's a backlog problem of unrestful sleep, that will have a strong effect uh, during the period. Uh, and it's something we can manipulate and work with. And as I mentioned last week in the episode before, uh, for those who experience painful periods, trying Abhyanga every day for a month before your next cycle can be really helpful. Abhyanga is that self-oil massage that we've talked about before, and you can learn about it in the self-care rituals course that I have created. I'll link to that in case you want to learn more. But if you don't have time to do Abhyanga on the entire body, that, that's okay. It can, it can take a minute. If you can focus on massaging the abdomen with warm sesame oil, this can be really pretty powerful. Uh, during the period itself, if you're still experiencing pain, you haven't had a chance to try all this out yet. Of course, applying a hot water bottle can be helpful. So as an Ayurvedic yoga therapist, the tools that I'm going to gravitate towards are absolutely herbs and diet. Um, this is way more individually specific though than rest and abhyanga. There are Ayurvedic herbal formulas that are created specifically to be helpful with painful periods. They are, however, counterindicated in some situations, but overall, they're really helpful. And there are herbal drinks that can be really helpful to nurture a panavata, which is that downward flow of energy in the body um, that we often notice when things seem to be stuck or the period seems to be scanty. And when we think about using diet to soothe and pacify vata dosha, we often think about using ghee. <laughs> ghee is its own kind of medicinal magic when it's used properly. And there are so many good companies who make good ghee. You can get it from Banyan, you can get it from Farm True, and my personal favorite is Prior Living. They actually make Garuda, um, which I'll oversimplify as it's like extra special ghee made the old school Ayurvedic way from special cows. And I have a code for that if you want to get it for a little bit less money, but any of those, good ghee is good news. How much ghee to use and when will be specific to the individual, but it is a powerful medicine when working with vata. So we'll use the overall diet to pacify vata. I want to look at what someone is eating for breakfast, for lunch, for snacks, for dinner, what are they drinking, and anything that's in there that could be aggravating to vata has got to go. Additionally, I'll check to make sure that the food patterns that we're choosing are not creating ama or blockages, uh, which can also hinder flow. 
And of course, when working with the Vata Pacifying Diet, we're going to stay away from ice cold foods and drinks and lots of raw things like salads as well, because they're rough on the digestive system. If some of that was a little tricky to process, the intro course that I created will talk you through all those nutrition details and make them much more comprehensible. It's called the, the What is Ayurveda and How Can It Help Me course with 35 videos and four quizzes that will help get you grounded into this worldview. Uh, I'll link to it in the show notes, but there you can learn all about doshas, nutrition, philosophy, and more. Okay, so that is the highlight reel on painful periods. When we understand vata, what she's in charge of and how she shows up and when she's unhappy and what she looks like when she is moving gracefully, then period, became, period pain becomes a, a more decodable and treatable problem. When vata is balanced, pain goes away. A painful period might be incredibly common, and unfortunately it is, but it isn't normal and it doesn't have to be that way. All right, good people. We're going to move on to the magical world of PMS. <laughs> it's not magical. I know. I, I feel you. So from the Western medical perspective, PMS is a group of both physical and behavioral symptoms that occur in a cyclical pattern during the second half of the menstrual cycle. The most common symptoms include, but are not limited to, anger, irritability, internal tension that affects your day-to-day -day life, bloating, fatigue, and anxiety. Yay. Uh, PMS is so incredibly common that it affects up to 75% of women with a menstrual cycle, which is most of us. Uh, the allopathic view of this problem suggests, or to, that is to say the Western medical perspective, is that some women simply are more sensitive to the changing hormone levels in their body than other women. So the hormone levels in women who have PMS and who do not have PMS are the same. It is simply the way that they are experiencing those hormonal shifts that differentiates the experience. So in order to be diagnosed with PMS, you have to have both the behavioral and the physical symptoms in the second half of the cycle. These symptoms must not be present during the first half of the cycle because if they are, it's not PMS, it's something else. Uh, and according to up-to-date, treatment for PMS should start with lifestyle interventions. This is the Western medicine literature. They're saying it should start with lifestyle interventions like exercise, relaxation techniques, vitamins, and mineral supplements. And while I will choose to believe that this has absolutely been offered to some woman somewhere, it was certainly not my experience or the experience of any woman that I personally know, which is, you know, not the whole world. It's a small pool, but still. So for myself and many others, the solution was birth control pills uh, and a prescription. And I didn't really get asked any questions. It was just, I said, I don't feel good. And they said, take this pill. Um, again, if somebody wants to be on birth control, I'm 1,000 million percent for them being able to easily access it. But here, I am talking about using birth control pills as a way to treat PMS before trying anything else first, which is different. So the Ayurvedic perspective on PMS. Ayurveda sees PMS as a pitta-vata disorder. 
This means that both doshas are upset. And the sub-doshas involved are usually Ranjaka Pitta and Apanavata. And I know that sub-doshas are like a side train with a long track, but I'll keep it very simple. Each dosha has five sub-doshas. Sub-doshas are more specific aspects of a larger dosha. And when we're looking at PMS, we're almost always looking at both Pitta and Vata dosha. And more specifically, we're almost always looking at the, the downward flow of energy and the flow of blood. So first, let's talk about universal healing strategies. If you are experiencing PMS, almost always, more rest will be helpful. More specifically, stress reduction and mental rest. So if you're somebody who needs to do a lot of mental work at a computer screen, then we're gonna need to find a way to work in more nature walks and more breaks. Uh, Varinchya, which is Sanskrit for purging or laxative. You can think of this in a modern context as a, a cleanse of sorts. This is so incredibly specific to the individual. There are several options to choose from based on individual strength, symptoms, severity, and specific needs. So I'm not gonna go into it here because I don't want to imply that it's a DIY sort of thing. Um, and I personally insist on using herbs and cleanses with caution and care. But basically, what we're trying to do is get everything that's in the way out of the way. Anything that's too hot to cool it down. And then we're going to soothe the body with rest so that flow can happen without being inhibited. That is a super high level of what we do, but hopefully it gives you an overall feel for approach. Okay, so let's move on from PMS to Minaraja. Minaraja is heavy bleeding during the period. Uh, it refers to menstrual blood loss that is greater than 80 milliliters. And this is a crazy, super tricky thing for anyone to really just know. So instead, I will give you some statistics about what a normal amount of blood loss would look like. So in a normal period that is not too heavy, you do not need to change your pad or your tampon um, any more often than about every three hours. You would use less than 21 pads or tampons per cycle. You would not really very infrequently ever need to change a pad or a tampon overnight. Your clots would be smaller than one inch in diameter and you will not be anemic. But if you're experiencing blood loss that is outside of those parameters, it's, it's probably a sign that you have a heavy loss of blood. And in Western medicine, the treatment uh, for that heavy blood loss ranges from everything from a slew of contraceptive options all the way to endometrial ablation and hysterectomy. And obviously the last two are counterindicated in women who still wish to give birth. So the Ayurvedic perspective on this problem is a little bit different. So uh, in this lens, we understand that the body is intelligent. And the body is always trying to create homeostasis. So when the period is too heavy, it is always a pitta problem. When pitta is too high, there is too much heat in the blood. When there is too much heat, the body is going to try to get rid of that excess heat however it can. And the body will use the period to try to get out that extra heat. So whenever heavy bleeding is a problem, we work with uh, 
blood cooling herbs. And some are best taken as supplements, others are something you literally drink. And additionally, we'll want to reduce pitta with lifestyle factors as well, like diet, uh, breathing practices, and Ayurvedic yoga. And when we use all of those techniques and practices together, so we change what you eat, we look at how you rest, we see how the mental activity is during the day, we use herbal formulas to cool the blood, all of that together can create uh, healing in, in a really wonderful way. So I hope that gives you a high level understanding of the Ayurvedic perspective on these three common, but not normal, <laughs> period problems. And if you're interested in one-on-one -on -one help, that is what I'm here for, friends. You can check out my Ayurvedic yoga therapy options at vedacircle.com. Okay, I didn't forget you, like I promised, recipe goodness. This is called sesame seed confection, and it is so good. In addition to just tasting good, it treats, uh, helps, it helps to treat vata, it doesn't just treat vata, that would be amazing. It helps to balance vata, and it also strengthens the bones and the teeth. Uh, reading you a recipe here seems like it's going to be pretty unhelpful. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to link to it in the show notes so that you can go take your time with it and check it out. And if you make it, I want to know what you think. It's super yummy and I hope that you like it as well. Uh, reach out to me on Instagram. I'm there as Veda Circle and I want to hear what you think of this yummy sesame seed confection treat. Um, as always, thank you. Thank you for being here and listening and trying to understand how to take better care of yourself. That's really cool. Please share this with someone who you think it might be helpful to. Rate and review. That helps me share this information with more people. And until next time, my friends, may all diseases be conquered as by a powerful forest fire.